This is the Dog Psychology Podcast with Lynn Bokey, Todd Langston, and Art Ortiz. All right, so welcome to the Dog Psychology Podcast with Lynn, Todd, and Art. Today we have a guest, our first guest. And our first guest is actually someone who knows uh, both Lynn and Todd. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to get a, a, an insider's take on someone who oh, is not a trainer, who is involved in rescue. Okay. And someone who has worked with both of them hasn't worked with me yet, but I want to get a different perspective on someone who's worked with with both of them. So, Sue, go and introduce yourself. Hi, and thanks for having me. It's really an honor. And uh, yes, I have known Todd and Lynn quite some time now. If we start adding up the years, we might scare ourselves. But uh, my name is Sue Hewlings, and I'm the director of the Arf Shack Rescue, and uh, that is my unpaying job. Um, my paying job is uh, I'm a consultant in the dietary supplement space, so um, I work from home and I live in the Florida Keys. And um, actually, right now, have three dogs. I'm a rescue person, so the right now is important part of that statement. And the dietary supplements for humans or for dogs? Um, I've done mostly humans, but I have worked in both. I've done some uh, stuff with the National Animal Supplement Council and um, some things in the pet space as well. Cool, cool. So, I mean, I don't, yeah. I honestly don't even know how you came to know both of them. How did, how did, where did it all start? Where did, where did this all, where's the beginning of all this? One amazing dog is where it all started. So, um, many years ago, I was living up in Orlando near where uh, Todd lives, and I found an, a beautiful blonde brindle Amstaff running down the highway chasing cars. I'm like, oh, I'm going to rescue this dog. I pull her in because I think, oh, she's dog friendly. She's with another dog, you know. I had no idea what I was getting into. And I hadn't even started my rescue yet at the time. So I'm like, wow, I got to do something. Like this dog is chasing strollers. She's chasing um, skateboards. And she is like Jekyll and Hyde, sweet as can be until she sees a dog. And then literally jaw starts clicking. You know, thank God I realized it while she was on a leash, you know, I think like, um, and so I was like, I don't know what to do. So I started just making phone calls and it was like a trickle down effect. And some Todd had just gotten done training with Lynn. It was like right when he got back and someone's like, Oh, my neighbor, Todd, you know, he's like, he just got back. He's really good with dogs and, uh, he can maybe help you. And so, uh, I, I just, I just moved here. I had, yeah, I had finished with Lynn a couple of years prior and I had done. The okay. Maybe I, I yeah. Yeah, we had just we had just moved in to North Shore, and and I think this is. It might did I meet you through Kalima or through Almondine? No, through Kalima, I, I think. And it was your Almondine friend. Almondine was after yoga person, right? Okay. The yogi person who uh, is that who I met you through? She was some. Uh, she lived two or three doors down, right? Some yoga girl. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Please uh -huh. continue. It was years ago. I mean, just so everyone knows, like if we miss details, forgive us. It was, um, you know, I gosh, I don't know. 15, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, 2008, mm -hmm. or 2000, 2008, I think. Yep. And this was a dog who had, you know, later Todd, you know, told oh, me she had diverted her. aggression and like bad in the beginning, diverted yeah. aggression. So she'd be, I ran her every morning. I got up at 5 a.m. so I could run her before any dogs were out, you know, blah, blah, blah. So Todd came over and helped him figure it out. And um, he just was like, this dog, you, you really need Lynn involved in this. This dog is intense. This dog's a lot. 
So Todd took me, you know, where his skill set was at the time. And I think it, you know, it just, it went from there. And then um, I was like, I met somebody who had a boarding facility who we started the rescue. And I'm like, you're right. I need to go train with Lynn. Cause if I'm going to rescue dogs, I need to understand them more. Like Kalima made me realize mm -hmm. how much I didn't know. Um, and I had already raised um, two uh, seeing eye dogs for Southeastern guide dogs. One that went on to guide a blind lady. So like I had, I thought like I had knowledge of how to train dogs with Kalima was next level and ended up being just the greatest lesson of, of all and brought me so many cool people, including two that are sitting right here. So um, then I went out to um, talking about the crusty cookies Culver city. Yeah. <laughs> I went out to Culver city and had two weeks of a lifetime and Todd did not properly warn me what I had myself in for. <laughs> Thank God he didn't warn me. <laughs> yep. Well, that's interesting. Any dogs between Lynn and I, we've gotten from you too, like um, Almondine. So I ended up getting Almondine from you. And, you know, I mean, through the years, it's just different dogs. And then I think I ended up with Blue, which turned into Huey, which went to Lynn. Right? That was the, the what was no, the pity? Didn't that one that I had for a really short time? I went out to Lynn. He wasn't Blue Nose. He was a. Uh... He had Brindle and a little blue hue. That's why I call him Hugh. Oh, but, uh, okay. Uh, that's a whole different story. But I know he was with you for a, a short bit because I know I have a picture somewhere of him in the back seat with uh, with some of your dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, I remember we pulled him from bed to get him out of the shelter. And then he was with oh, you until yeah. I had a chance to ship him. I shipped, uh, flew him out to Lynn. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I the dog that you found on the side there. of the road, you flew him out to Lynn? No, no, this no, is a different dog. Yeah. yeah. No, so Kali Ma ended up being, you know, Todd helped me break her with the stroll, like, of, of running strollers and skateboards and stuff like that. But the aggression was next level. Like, I, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. towards other dogs, not towards people at all. Loved people. So mm -hmm. that's why it was like, and, and cats, loved cats. But it was super deceiving about it because she literally would, like, eyes dilate tongue click jaw you know and in particular i had one, my first guide dog that i raised scotch she came back her blind lady got cancer she came back after working for five years and scotch was extremely balanced and she called bullshit on kalima she's like this dog is not balanced and i'm gonna this is i'm gonna challenge it yeah well i mean they there was no way they couldn't even see each other down the hallway of my house remember that long hallway in my house lynn because yeah. And, and, um, it was bad. And I was like, what am I going to do? I got this dog that I raised to be a guide dog 18 months. She came back to me after I had the pit bull and then I've got dogs in and out of this house all the time for the rescue. What am I going to do? And so, um, between you guys and Vicky, you know, I had took in a lot of different perspectives of how to manage it. And I think that like, that's an important message for me. Like I watched Lynn and I learned a lot. And one of the big things I learned is what I can't do. I mean, as odd as that mm, might sound yep. to people like, wait, what? That's an important thing to take away, right? Like I watched Lynn and realized mm -hmm. I, my skills, I was never going to have the guts to, to, to walk Kali Ma around the neighborhood and walk, walk her past a poodle. And she knew I wasn't going to have the guts to do it. And therein, it should never happen. <laughs> And so it never did, unless Lynn was the one walking around the neighborhood. 
So I think that's like important. Like to, to I want to tell people who are listening to you guys, like, you know, try to figure out, take the different things and, and fit it, but don't think that you have to do what you guys do. Like, you know, you, you take it in and you come out with your own when, within your own limits. Like, I think that's huge. You find your Goldilocks. So, so you go to, you go to Culver city. Yeah, I want to know about that experience because Todd didn't warn you. Like you said, um, I've never, I Todd got to experience it. I've never even experienced it. I got the, the, the soft version of Lynn, you know, I've got years later where, you know, the, the water down, not, I wouldn't say water down, the information is still there, but he, you know, it's not, we'll call it suppressed because, uh, there were some complaints, not really complaints, but, uh, some concerns and worries about affecting other people in their status. So I was, uh, I was requested to tone things down. Firmly. Um, what was that experience like? It was amazing. It was. It was. It absolutely changed my relationship with my dogs and all and all dogs that I engage with. Absolutely, one thousand percent changed how I view dogs, how the how I interact with them, all for the better. It had its rough spots and some funny moments. Like so, you guys know this. You know, get there, and Lynn's like, you can't talk. Right, you can't talk now. I had the shortened version. Todd went all in. I was only there for a couple of weeks, and I'm like, and so it was. It was right after Christmas, so Lynn had a ton of dogs because he had boarding dogs. He had rescue, you know, like, and he's like, um, he just kept passing them out the back door for me to walk. And the the goal was, I think, Lynn. I mean, you it was like I was supposed to be able, like, have to have to ask to go to the bathroom or ask for a drink or ask for the. Finally, Lynn opens the door. He's like, you've been walking dogs for six hours. What are you doing? <laughs> What's wrong with you? And I was like, well, you told me I couldn't talk and just kept walking. But I, I'm an ultra runner. So I run like 50 mile races and 50 mile runs. Well, Lynn didn't know that. I could have literally walked the whole two weeks if I needed to. <laughs> My psychological challenge were, were not working at that time. <laughs> she loved being alone and being quiet. <laughs> so, so Lynn, what are you thinking at this time? Like, why? Why is this woman not asking me to go to the restroom? Like, what are you thinking here this time? I think she's peeing on the walks with the dogs and not marking it down in the in the pee and poop book. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, it That's goes funny. until uh, until it doesn't, and then I find something else, and I'm sure that I found something else to make you uh, uh, have to talk. Right. Probably quickly realize this isn't a physical game. You know, you started asking yeah. what and. Did you, the one that was the barracks, those, uh, those, whatever those, those type of huts. Yeah, are. The, it had the Quonson hut in the back that, yeah. right. that was, was a, yeah. I lived there. It was a really great place. Actually. I wish I'd never left so big and perfect except for the backyard. It was small. But uh, I did talk some, cause I was talking to Todd on the phone. <laughs> I was talking uh, to Todd. What, what do those conversations this? sound like? I didn't know what I find interesting is that I've heard like uh, you know obviously I've heard about Todd's experience and Todd you know when we talk about it Todd's always you know how amazing it was but I've also heard the opposite you know what I mean and I'm and here's the thing like I'm always open I want to experience things on my own so when I was when I first met Lynn um, years ago uh, but then I got to do do go to one of his workshops I was like I don't see what the why why people are so like why you know the people why he rubs people the wrong way. I couldn't figure that out. I still don't really understand that part because 
um, maybe it's because of my background. I, I mean, I, I grew up playing baseball my, and my baseball coach was very direct and very, um, you know, just one of those, and I wouldn't say a hard ass. He, we wanted the best for us. Right. And he Don't always was, yeah, he held us accountable. And so I feel that I, I learned better that way as, as opposed to like, you know, people being like, Oh, well, you know, you can try harder next time. Like I, that's not me. Like I, I know I'm very like, you know, people see me as like a very kind, very nice person, but I learn better when people are very direct and, and, and I won't say rough with me. That's not the word I'm like more accountable. You know what I mean? They hold me to a standard. Um, you and, did not get any of that from me. Uh, no, I know. not received any of it ever. Uh, if you ever want to, I'll give you a what for. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll pass on yeah. that. All right. All right. Um, I had to do it today yeah. with the class. Um, they, they, uh, I have a specific way to answer questions, you know, because you're learning what I'm teaching, but your question that you answer, you're just answering a question like with the tiniest thing. I need you to answer the question because you got to learn the back end and the front end of it when you teach. So if I ask you, you know, uh, what is one of the six root forms of pressure? The, uh, physical. Now, <laughs> every one of the six root forms of pressure is physical pressure. That's And so I gave that instruction, ask, and then the very next person, What's uh, one of the six root forms? Psychological. What the fuck? You know. So is that what literally you, what the, the walking person, was, Lynn? And the the walking person. was the physical pressure. You were putting on no, me the physical pressure. No. No, I wasn't involved in that at all. You did that. That you no know, pressure is something different. If I apply a physical pressure, you will feel it. You have to experience pressure. And you, what you experienced was exercise because it wasn't uh, <laughs> difficult for you. You didn't have to go to the bathroom. You knew how to hold it through the whole time. So I, the pressure you would have received from me is if you would have said something out loud when you weren't supposed to speak. And I would have gone through my spiel that how can I trust that you'll be able to pass information to a dog if you can't follow instructions yourself given to you in your own language? When a dog can't speak English, how, how, how can I believe that you're going to give them what, you, what they need? That was the whole goal. And the whole real goal is that you're instinctually going to talk because we're human. And I was taking that away from you, just like the dogs. They cannot speak. So I wanted you to have a lower ability to communicate and feel, be, uh, you know, empathetic for the dog who cannot explain that they have to go to the bathroom the way we can. You know, you squeeze your little, where can I go? You know, oh, you know. But uh, the idea was to try and, and really uh, mess with you and hopefully get you to the point where you let go of some of your human things and can see that the dog needs our assistance through a bunch of things instead of just blaming them. So, yeah. but anyway. And so, and it, and so I want, yeah. I, I heard about this. I didn't hear the story, but I, I heard about something about a Huskies and Lynn and some Huskies that you had, Sue. Well, no, what's, a, what's that story about? So I think it was it, a consultation. Yeah. When I was yeah, out go, there, go Lynn, uh, I got Lynn all to myself, which was the great part because there, there was nobody else there, you know, um, look, lucky me. And so we, uh, I went on some home visits with him and he had this one, I'll never forget it. I tell everybody this term and keep in mind, this was, I don't know, like 15 years ago or something. And uh, the, this family had seven wolf hybrid dogs and um, 
they were the yeah the females were fighting if i recall correctly lynn you know details from that far ago the females were fighting there was a female that was you know uh causing the issue and they called him out and when we got there um they were all seven of them were loose in this kind of backyard on a hill and the family was all inside like oh one of the men was outside with him he comes in with the hoodie on with big paw prints in mud all over him like these dogs had just like mauled him and i'm like oh. <laughs> and lynn's watching the dogs these people are like meh, 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 meh. and i'm um, lynn's watching they had the an dogs amazing then... plate glass windows so that mm. you could see it like a tv it was really great it was awesome huge window right so lynn says to me you you stay in here and you watch and so he goes out there with the dogs and the family is just like, and I'm trying to block them out and watch Lynn. And it, it was two things. It was friggin' amazing to watch Lynn. Like when he went out there and the whole conversation he had with the dogs physically, you know, and uh, never saying a word again, back to the, he's connected to what he was trying to teach me. And um, the, the, the way that they changed, the dogs talked back to Lynn was also really cool. And over the course of it, he got all seven of them lined up. Now, keep in mind, these people couldn't even, like, bring them in the house. These dogs, they were wolves at this point. He lines all seven of them up, and he's got the two females, one on either side of him. And I'm in there, like, trying to get the family to shut the hell up. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was like, it, you know, again, and I realized I'm never going to be able to do that. That's that takes some kind of like balls, first of all, to go, even to walk out that back door. I'm not even sure I would have done. And I think they would have smelled me coming. And it's just like I knew I was never going to I could I saw what happened. I understood what happened and I understood it enough to know my limit in the in the, you know, in a situation like that. So it was really, really amazing. And Lynn, I'll let you talk about what you know, what you did. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it was so long ago, and it's one of those situations where I was really upset still to this day that I did not record it uh, because I I think it's one of those situations where I can actually say I did an amazing job. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not bragging. I did an amazing job. You know, seven wolf hybrid dogs that, uh, oh, gosh. And uh, I did. I lined up, got the two fighting ones now, and, you know, Unfortunately, for me and the dogs and Sue, they had so many family members there that they were all talking and doing whatever they were doing. I mean, one of the things I hate worse than no more, uh, it's the worst thing is when you, you're hired to do something and they don't watch or pay attention, you know, it's just a waste. But it wasn't a waste for me or for Sue, but it was for them. And I never really went back to them. They didn't, I think. I think we left early because they weren't paying attention. And I said something about yeah, you got it. mad. I you, you, mm. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't remember it all, but I I walked out. I don't, I don't give a fuck, man. We, we did some amazing work. They shouldn't have wolf hybrids, let alone seven. I think they were all from the same pack, which is a a, a big problem. A same wow. uh, litter, which is a massive problem. And uh, within, I don't know. It might have been a long time, but it was a very short time compared to how long they had the dogs. I had every one of them calm and and looking at me like, "What do you want next?" So, and what was the, the overriding energy of that that group or that pack? What 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 was it that you went in and like moved first? What was the first? What was the first thing you? I moved? just calmed it all day. I got everybody's attention first, and I 
It didn't matter if after I got that one's attention that I lost its attention. I was going around until I got everyone's attention. It bucks. Yeah, three of them over there, two of them over there, one over there, and then all of a sudden it's seven. And now I have everyone's attention, and I can start communicating. When one decides, yes, this, then I go straight for that one, and the other ones kind of just wait and see, and they're like, oh, he's serious. Oh, shit. And if another one tried to go out of bounds or do something, or if two of them ganged up, the other ones, I think at one point, uh, a couple of them started helping me out. You know, and yeah, they saw the, the two line. females that did were resisting you. The two females were yeah. like, they were your last ones you had to get under. Yeah. And I tell you what, it is one of the most disappointing things ever that I didn't get that on video because it was fucking amazing. It was pretty cool. And uh, I was so disappointed when I came in and people weren't paying attention except for Sue. And then I, I think the daughter, it was a lot of them were just visiting. And the daughter said, how dare you talk to my dad? Like, there's something to that effect. And I'm like, well, we're out of here. I can't recall everything. but I don't remember that, that part. Time, I did, yeah. And at that point in my life, I'm not, I'm not messing around. I'll walk out. I'll state my, my business and go. But I don't think I ever went back to that, that place. And I would have loved to. What a great experience. But it's not a great experience when you don't have people doing the work on the other end. Yeah. But, uh. That was fun. And uh, yeah. it was probably the year, oh, Lynn's not going to pay so much attention to me now since he had a good time with the dogs. He's not going to be yeah, hard I on knew me better now. already. I, yeah, <laughs> I knew better already. By then, I already knew. But yeah, no, and I think you, you, you talk about your students learning and stuff. And I think one of the coolest things, and, and Todd, you can attest to this too, is I, I still feel like I'm learning stuff from that 15 years ago. Like I'll still see somebody with a dog or I'll do something with my dog and I'll be like, ah, oh, shit, I violated rule number one. And like, you know, or I'll be like, oh, look at that. That, that dog's energy is everywhere but with that lady. And she wonders like why the other dogs don't want to play with him because his energy is like whoo, whoo, across the leash. And she's saying, he's nice. He's nice. Why don't the dog? Because <laughs> those dogs are like, whoa. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the cool part. And that's true of learning in general, right? Like when you really are immersed in it, it means something to you, you're engaged, you learn stuff even years later. Um, yeah. The, like the, even with know. Todd's question there, what did you do first? What did you do? I wouldn't have been able to explain it really back then what I decided to do first. Years later, now that I've I've gone from everything being instinctual to now I've got to teach my instincts. That's impossible to do. So I got to find a way to communicate that. Now I look at, I think it was a great question you asked. I need to establish a baseline of communication and I can't do that without anybody's attention. And so those are the things that uh, you just go for the most intense one first, just like in a fight, you hit the biggest guy first. And if you win that little, uh, everybody else is like, okay. <laughs> But this wasn't a fight. Uh, it, it, you know, it was at a sparring level, I guess. Were they, maybe. Were they really excited, like not aggressive, but that right there playing the, that edge where that sparring plays a spar and uh, what's that? What happened? That's sparring instead of playing. Yeah, sparring right next to fighting. But the the whole thing was is that they didn't leave that yard. They never went anywhere. I don't recall. They don't. There was zero structure, and and uh, you know you got a bunch of teenagers in one home. You're gonna have problems at some point. You know things leak out, and I think their problem was that they're 
uh, a hybrid that has more energy than they can show. And they want to do things with it. They want to do real things with it, uh, the hybrids and, and the wolves. So they're one family, right? You said they were all from the same litter? I believe I that so. they were all, they were all the same age. I think they were really kind of young to a year, maybe set nine months to a year and a half. I can't recall. If I re yeah, they I were all been a while. same age. Because if you're going to ask this, because I got a question about, you know, litter mate syndrome, you know, where the litter mates, you'll get just a particular pair of litter mates that just fire off. And I've seen it really bad. And I've never really had the wherewithal to take a look and say, because in hindsight, to the point you were just saying, to me, it, it must be the ones directly that would be kind of dead similar energy, whatever that would be. Like if you wanted to say, you know, two, three, three, four, four, five, like it, to me, it would be the ones that would be like dead. They were just almost equal. Uh, those also, two were, yeah, those two were struggling for the top for sure. Ever. But it was like a, a two, five, you know what I mean? It's like one that had a lot of confidence and one that didn't really have any confidence. And so they could, they, they're like peaches and cream. But as, as I see them get to where they're more, you know, we're both exact, it, it seems to be. But even in, yeah. in the wild, when you see wolves or bears or lions, if they are equal and they come up against each other, they pretty much say, well, you know what? I think it's best we, we go our separate ways. It's not that they're giving so up and losing question. their, they have a, they have a realization that if they get injured yeah. right now, they might not survive uh, to, you know, carry on with what they were doing in their life. So they much rather save face and both of us agree we're, we're equal and we'll go our separate ways. So can two dogs, so I have a, I have a friend who's been asking me for help who has that exact, it's interesting you bring it up. She's got the, lit, you know, the litter mate. She adopted these two dogs from a rescue and they were, you know, puppies, they were playing, they were getting along. She wanted to have two dogs. And then all of a sudden one day everything changed right around when they were about, you know, eh, eight months oldish. Yeah. So then here, her husband has bonded with one. She's bonded with the other. They keep them separate. They can't even like have them. They can't even see each other. And they don't know what to do to take it. Like, how do they get it out of there, out from this all the time? And can the can these dogs live and cohabitate? What would you, you know, like, what are some uh, have, tips you can I, tell? I, early on, I experienced this with a couple of Pity's brothers. I mean, it got to where, like, you like Collie Ma and, and uh, Scotch, it, the that eye contact just it didn't matter how far away it was just visual if, if the, the the known presence of that dog was there it was on and in my opinion when it gets to there and it lasts any period of time the relative mm -hmm. success rate of people is infinitively low just because of of whatever got in whatever is is driving and motivating it outside of the most experienced and even then i'm not saying you're not going to not you know, I succeeded with it in certain ways. I, le I remember this case. I remember learned a lot about it. But to me, there's a time and place to go. Shit, this might this this might be an incompatible situation that we need to split up. Yeah, I, I've seen and both. By the way, I've seen where, I, where yeah. they've made it work, and I've seen where other, where other times they haven't worked. And most of the times they don't work. And I will say that the people that that it doesn't work don't really put in the work. The really, I've I have I worked with two families. They have. Um, they had this. They got these litter mates from two days old. They even bottle fed the dogs, but they're really good with dogs. Period. But they're really good with dogs. 
You actually met them, Lynn. Remember the lady with all the Roddies? Had like six Roddies. You know, she has two litter mates, but she's very, she understands dogs. Like she, she's, she just really understands it. Even though she hired me, I'm like, you really don't need me. She knew it from the beginning. You know, this is somebody that took the right precautions. Right. By the time they call us, like Susan, they're eight months old. Yeah. And at this point, they've been practicing this since the middle of like four or five months old when their play session started really getting super saucy, you know, and then one day. <laughs> Buck, boom, elbow drops the wrong way and and fire. You want to go real now. Yeah, yeah, let's go. So so I kept so. Kalimon Scotch separate for 10 years, just in case anybody's wondering. Everybody, yes. Anybody out there that thinks you can't do it. I managed them they, for 10 years. Lynn, Lynn helped me realize that. When he... Back when you were talking, I was going to drop my little, you know, my little smart-ass comments of you literally are the best crate rotate human being that's ever existed in the crate <laughs> she has it down oh uh, in ways that would make you proud like i mean just the placement and the and the exactness i don't believe at least a consequential i don't ever i don't ever remember one there was never a mistake well there was one mistake and this is the one i want to talk about just because it's i think this means a lot to people that one where there was the bite and that that the whole most but, but yeah, before you go into there, let's talk about her crate and rotate is not like the negative crate and rotate no. out there that you see at trainers yeah. who are just kind of giving up or people who are just overwhelmed. Her crate and rotate, everybody got what they needed, but you're going away and you're coming out. Yep. You two can come yep. out and you go away. She gave every every dog what they needed, but she did it in a management way. And management is what we have to do anyway, but this level of management is critical. If you're going to keep two dogs that are fighting, you cannot make it, mistakes. Well, and the other nope. thing I said same earlier is too. you are they come out the same. Runner. What's that? Yeah. You're, you're, yep. you're a long distance runner, so you constantly kept your dogs in motion. So if you're gonna, I, yep. if you're gonna have any form of movement like you're talking about, you have to keep those dogs moving. Like you, were, you yeah. did that. In spades. I mean, it was never a shortness of exercise or a need of, of exercise. No. And, well, and I still do because I have two too, female. Basically. Yeah. Grief. Well, basically, at my grief? facility, when it was just. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to talk about kind of crate and rotate. When it's just me yeah. and maybe a student, you know, I got a, a shit ton of dogs I got to deal with. And uh, some of them can be together with other dogs and some can't. So we were moving the entire time. You know, she's mm-hmm. got the endurance. I had the endurance back then. So when crate yeah. rotate goes bad is when a trainer or a rescuer or whoever starts to get bored. Well, I already put them out. No, you get done with the crate rotate. You begin again. You don't stop until the day's over. It's all day long. Everybody mm-hmm. gets the same amount of time. It's just in increments uh, when yeah. you have to do and it. I've like always that. done them in the same order, too. So, like, I still do it. I go oldest to youngest, right? Like that, and they they know that they know who goes first. And when the older one unfortunately dies off, that one knows, and he comes first. And they get in the van. Their crates, the same crate inside the van, and they go in the same door. They go out the same door in the house, and it never fails. And that's the kind of diligence. And if you aren't that kind of person, then you can't have two dogs that you can't have dogs that need that, and you can't have two yeah. dogs that don't get along. Mm-hmm. Yep, there'll yeah. be a mistake, and it'll be costly. That in itself mm-hmm. is structure, you know, and the dogs oh. have this ex- expectation of what to do. Here's yes. Bill's mm-hmm. crate and rotate. Did you guys hear? I just read an article of a, a girl in New York who was doing foster, 
She took a dog into her house that couldn't be with the other dog. She kept it in her room, opened up the door. The dog busts through. I guess I had a cone on it. Bust past her to go get another dog in her house. She grabbed it and tried to force it in a bathroom and ended up in the bathroom with her. And it spent 30 minutes attacking her. And they had to amputate the lower part of her arm uh, because of a failed crate and rotate. Dog not not being done. <laughs> Well, just yeah. failed. <laughs> so, yeah. Fail to understand your abilities or limitations. I, I hear Sue saying things that I, I want people to hear. Knowing your limitations is critical. Yeah. Now, if you can turn your limitations over and study them well enough, you can then see a map to your abilities. And no limitations. But the idea is to see that you have them, whether you want to improve them or not, is up to you when you have uh, an inability or, or a limitation and you ignore that you get part of your arm cut off in an amputation because you didn't pay attention to your own abilities yeah absolutely well, that was right that was a well placed that that was uh i like the road map if you wanted to just yeah. flip yeah. your inabilities over in the road map your abilities are there that's pretty well you got to study yeah. your inabilities pretty well you know you know your own weaknesses you just don't mm -hmm. want everybody else to know them. But if you know them, the answer to how to solve them, to make them strong, your weakness is strong, is right there. That's that's a yeah, it's a good thing. And and and, oh, and, right. and I'll tell everybody since both Kali Ma lived to be almost sixteen and Scotch was fifteen and a half, and they ultimately did end up like being together. And they would sleep on the same bed together. It was crazy shit. But he, I, I, my cousin was visiting. He's like hungover. He's strumming his guitar. And I come in from a run. And I'm like, <gasps> I walk in the door. And there's Scotch and Kali Ma laying down next to each other. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? And he's just like, what? And he had Hannah, just my chill, other lad. Just every chill. He had Hannah locked in the in the bathroom, and he had or in the other room, and he had a Scotch and Collie. He's like, "What?" I'm like, "No, Scotch has stripes." So her whole life, her collar had stripes. Scotch has stripes. So that's how you would, could never not tell him apart. But he was like drunk and didn't know, and like, <laughs> and that was it. Well, After that, and now by then they were like thirteen. So this is yeah. a really good thing to understand. What we had here is two ladies that. They got old and had tea together and like our old time together is gone. It's water under the bridge. We're fine. But what really happens a lot of the time, and I don't want you to think you did anything wrong here because you did everything amazingly perfect, uh, is sometimes we put so much thought into what has happened and we make what will happen. And yep. I've had this happen even myself, uh, go into the back, you know, late at night, before bed, like, you know, you just put one dog out there and, and, and then I come back out to get Pony and I realize that Ellie is out there. A murderer is outside <laughs> with Pony. And I just forgot to bring her in before I put him out there and they've been out there for a long time. Well, why didn't they kill each other? Now, as soon as I stepped out there and go, oh shit, right at it, right? So it's a lot about human influence our emotions and how it just vibrates off and then it picks up the practice where it left off before where they met each other out there we've never seen each other out here by ourselves There's nobody out here hey you want to sit down and chill so what's it like being a pit bull right so 
As soon as the, yeah. the vibration of oh shit comes out, boom. Fortunately, oh shit and boom was right in front of me, so I got it really fast, but it could have been bad. That was a really poor thing on my my part. But if they can get along yep. without humans involved, what are we doing? What are we doing? You know? Every dog trainer has gone through that exact same thing and hopefully everybody gets to pull a lesson out of it because we were talking about the the uh, sibling rivalry earlier one of the yeah. lessons i learned in that and i said i even mentioned that i go i learned a lot from that was i i was doing the same thing i was only allowing them together in a certain structured way and then through a, they got together they they got through a fence and got together and they were completely fine but it wasn't because i was ready to get them together i was still in the mode that you're saying is is I was in the no, they're not they're not ready yet mode, and and it's tough to learn and make that right adjustment because you can just as easily go oh they're ready let's do this and then you you misfire mm. and people get traumatized yeah. by that misfire you never can manage too long and it mess you up <laughs> that's not a mistake you can really like you can never really like from a mistake oh man I did it really good for a really long time bitch that sucks but you. Mm -hmm. can't you decide to just go to it's a it's such a fine line to walk it is and and sometimes i mean that's the whole reason why we got to learn dog psychology well enough to interpret what the dogs are feeling and how they intend to use that feeling even with a sibling and how they intend to do it because we can misinterpret so much and trigger all the problems that we don't want to have or trying to fix Obviously, when they come uh -huh. to us that way and we see magic like that, it, it does tell us how much, it tells me how much the human interferes and messes things up. But uh, yeah. it is wonderful to see that magic for that moment. Like, how did that happen? I remember fast. I remember, e I use e-collars. I, I love e-collars. I use them completely different than any other trainer out there. But I remember having the facility there as a six, two dog unit on my side and and they're all out there all the chainsaws are running around i saw dink doing something i one two three down to his and then turn it I went to push the button and he kind of felt it without me pushing the button didn't look over to me but he just walked away from what he was about to do and i'm thinking to myself if i can do that with my mind i'm literally about to push the button what do i need the buttons for we don't, but we have very little access to that, that real clear uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi zone. Yeah, but he was- He read your intent. I was at the back, but I was at the back and he was all the way across the cement. It was, it was an acre of, of things. I was far away. So far I watched away. a show, and I don't know if this is bullshit editing or not, but I watched a show and they were- this was what they were setting up is they had a camera on somebody's car in their car and they had a camera on the dog and the dog started reacting when the car was a couple miles from home. So well before it could be auditory, any scent that could have been blown in, but it's just, and this is where they were talking is that does the dog quote unquote read our mind? So are they able this to, this is what I've always held in my mind is that they're able to see our intention. So whatever that movie screen you're seeing, they see. So as you reached for it, you saw it, right? So to, to the point of what Sue was saying, and that was one of the things that this, and I've never forgot that. And I've always owned deaf dogs. So I'm constantly huh? by, go, by going, 
I own deaf dogs. I've always owned them. So that was good. And so um, it's, I'm reminded through that because I'll stand out there on purpose and just go, all right, I just want to say his name in my mind. <laughs> if I can get him to turn around. But yeah, that's a good one. Two things on that. One, I agree with you. They have access to a, a, a mental freeway that we don't always have access to it. When I get access to it, it is an amazing feeling. I want access to it all the time. And I know that he did feel my intention and my intention was pure. There was no frustration. There was no anger. It was timed. I was going to do it perfectly well. And he would not have even known it was me. It would have been perfect. And oh, somehow Dink ate shit. Yes. But that's not what he was doing there. That he was about ready to bite. He was about he was about ready to bite a, a dog because that's what he liked to do, come up from behind. Like, hey, I'm Dink, I'm good. But uh yeah, so it was so smooth and, and perfect that I fit into whatever mental zone they, they can read. But the other thing and we just don't have access to it all the time because we're cluttered with life shit, right? When you're in that zone, you can stay in it because you don't care about it. I got a lot of baggage. But the thing you were saying about the dog and the human coming home, was it the same time that the human comes home? Yes. That they were filming? Because if it was the same time, they have like a body clock, just like when they're hungry. And so they have a body clock of social interaction as well. And so, yeah, you'll see dogs sitting there. They've been laying there, and all of a sudden they get up and go hang out by the front door. And then, uh, then suddenly they get up and shake it off, and then they look at the door like they know because it's such a timed thing. It's right around that time. It's this is when it's so predictable in its pattern that the dog is synced with it. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I don't but, set an alarm clock. I don't need to. I got three of them right here. I, I do not set an alarm. Same. Five twenty-seven every morning. My dog Buddha wakes wakes up. I hear him walking around. I look at my clock. It's five twenty-seven, and I'll I'll kind of wait. He'll walk down the hallway. I can hear him walking down the hallway, and I'll just go. I was like, breathe, like do, and it's not loud. I'm, uh, you know, we're separated by a door, and he just I hear like he's getting excited because he hears me breathing. You know, check it out during time zone changes, like with the the what do you call it the. What's it called? Daylight savings? Yes. Daylight saving doesn't work here in Arizona. It doesn't change. Time doesn't change. But when you change your time, the next time you change your time, take note of everything that your dog has, you've been doing with your life, and then just sit back and, and watch how they try to figure out this hour difference of time. It's pretty wild. Which it totally supports what we were saying earlier about uh, the structure. If you do the same right. thing, the same rotation, the same order, the same time, like, you know, then you create this thing. It's the same idea. You know, people make all these mm -hmm. memes about when the time changes, like their dog's wanting dinner and stuff like that. Yeah. So create that, right? Like, Lynn, what's you, like, I don't know what rule it is anymore, but like, if you, you envision it, like you decide what you're, what you want and you create it. Right. And, and you create that through structure and consistency and, and that, you know, all those yeah, rules and the thank you. you said is the pattern you get. Or it could also be uh, plan the act, plan the actions you take and take action on the way you planned. It is before that thing happens that the dog says, Hey, it's five thirty. I haven't seen dad. So that plan, the actions you'll take, take action is everything you did to get change your circadian rhythm 
to wake up at that time. And the dog says, okay, he gets up this. We've been consistent. Where is he? I think I'll get there before he does. So then it's the plan. So yes, you're right. Uh, the rule 10 plan and the actions you'll take is actually a plan. But by the time it gets to where the dog is coming to you, it's the pattern you set. Uh, and that's the pattern. Hey, by the so. way, this happened to me uh, about a month ago. I, I worked with this puppy. And every time I would bring him in from outside, I would put him in the crate. And I had to clean out his crate because he was going to be going home later on that day. So I actually moved his crate. And there was, and he was the one on the far end, right? And so there was no crate there, but he came in from outside. The crate was already gone. He comes in and he goes and he goes exactly to right there. And he didn't move. I have this on video. He didn't move. I walked around the house. I came back. He was just staying so there. He was like, blind or deaf? Huh? Did you say he was blind or deaf? What? Yeah. <laughs> I, I created no, that trick, so. a while. Oh my uh, god, this is terrible. My, my they told you guys there was right too much boy I, humor on here. Please. Yep. It's I'm I'm puns of fun. I'm Uncle Punny. Uh I just moved the TV and the couch and, and I that means I had to move the crates. And where it used to be, the pattern you set, the pattern you get is I would say, All right, casa casa, and it looked like uh Edward Scissorhand where everybody was coming home from work at the same time and going in the garage at the same time. They'd go right to their crates. Now I say Casa Casa, and everybody's like, oh, well, I don't know what to do. It's all moved. Yeah. It's completely new and different. But uh, yeah, so I, but I used to use that all the time in, in teaching. Remember this? Uh, and maybe I was saying it back then. I want to displace their expectations, right? Whatever they expected happens, I'm going to change it right now just to see how they deal with it. You know, but, uh, this is fun. This yeah. This is fun. I even I travel with my dogs all... a lot. I think that carries over. Like my dogs are really good. I've driven them across the country. You know, we go, we stay in hotels, we camp, we do all this stuff. But I create like um, the same. They sleep in the same spot. I have the same carry creeks I take. Like I maintain the structure on the road, and I think it's why they're so good. Like I, they stay so good in hotels. They don't bark, and they, you know, and it's fun. I love doing it. I love driving across. The That's just uh... neat. I don't want to take another human. I just, that messes the right, whole the thing dogs. up. You do <laughs> small, up those, you do small things so perfect that those type of rituals are super easy for you. Anything that involves just that type of thing is, is you do perf perfectly. Your dogs are always going to have that just automated type of approach. It's, it's yeah. But my limit, another good story. Another, another story is I, another time I saw my limit. Remember the, human aggressive dog that you, t you that that you trained so well and that um you took me to practice because uh, you guys have done you know my memories are more because you've done so many more of those dogs since then but it, you had this dog and you trained her uh, that, that it was really human aggressive this single girl had her and you ended up getting that dog to the point where we were able to put her in a crate in front of my class we and and um walk all my no, nobody could put their hand in but they all my students that were wanted to walked by the dog you got that dog so far um but i remember um the one time you had me uh hold my hand out for the dog to smell and you and i both realized at the same moment but it was your it was your um reaction that saved her from biting me it was like i i mean 
she was like sniffing me. I had been, I'd been walking her. It was going really well. All of a sudden she presses down on my hand and both of us, like I went back and you grabbed the dog and reacted real fast. And I was like, I, I can, I'm never, I can't do that. I don't want it to work with human aggressive dogs. Like, yeah, that's like next level. And it, it you handled it. That or dog or ended up being great. I, um, I just, my thing just phased out. I, as you were talking, started telling that story, um, my thing, my thing cut out. That dog's name was Turtle, I think. That you're yes, it was. About. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was, was that, that the one. dog that uh, you had, Todd, that bit me while I was out there working visiting you and Sue. No, you, I don't think one Turtle. Oh, was big a bite turtle? No. That, she took no. me to the hospital that day. Made no. me. Oh, oh shit! No, that was a. Um, the dog had a embedded collar. Correct. And. Uh, it was a newfie. It was it was a big newfie or something like that, and it had. A, it was a big dog. It was an embedded collar, and you saw it about to get me, and you. You did you you you. Grab you did something. I was I was it was it was about to do something that you saw, to at me and you intervened and and ended up getting bit, and. Then I Todd. I remember uh, popping it with a chair, and it bought like a second or a second or so. Well, he, here's what here's the here's what really happened. I mean that along with the collar came off. That's what it. You had, and the dog came over to me, and it that's got in between my legs, and and you guys were like, grab it or don't or do something, whatever it was, and I grabbed this before I knew it had an embedded collar. So I grabbed it by its scruff because it didn't have anything on. And all of a sudden, what? And I'm like, what in the? So then we had to do all, all the thing that I did. And that's where the chair came in. And we got the dog back to calm. And that's when we learned, learned about the dog. And that's right. That's an entire subject we should talk about. If you, because it's very sensitive. Yeah. The dog will be sensitive like that for the rest of its life. I mean, it just assumed. And it wasn't like the human was causing any pain. It just, if you've, if you've ever seen an embedded collar, you, it, 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 the dog continues to grow with its puppy collar and it grows and grows and the skin starts to open up and grow around it. The, yes. the collar. And when you can find it, you know, uh, it's still a big operation. I think the first person that found it, the dog was in the water and he went to pull him out of the water and the, he grabbed him by the scruff, but the collar actually came out of the skin and the dog bit him. And that's why he got rid of him. And that's why that girl then adopted him, I think, or she was a rescue, I think. But at any rate, when you have the dog like this, you've got to pay so much attention to anybody around it that might want to touch it on the back. If it's got that associate, it's so painful, mm -hmm. so painful. Yeah, just put a rubber band around, a tighter rubber band around your wrist for a while. Just tight. You don't have to let your skin embedded, but it's, it, it, can you imagine growing so much that the skin grows around the collar? At, at some point, he's not going to be able to breathe. That's horrible. Yeah. And so when he bit me, the only thing I was was like, I remember this, Todd, because I go, dude, why didn't you grab him? Well, you're here. I'm like, it's your consultation. <laughs> and then Sue said, you got to go to the doctor. I'm like, ah, I do my own surgeries. No, you got to go to the doctor. While you're here visiting me. 
And so we went to the doctor and still have, it's, it's been years and it's a pretty big hole still. That was a big bite. It was a big dog, dog, if I remember right. It wasn't his fault though. It wasn't nope. anybody's fault. Nobody's fault. Except for the owner that left the collar on him for it to grow, skin grow around it. Horrible. Fuck that guy. But uh, yeah, yeah right. I thought that's what the dog you were talking about because you're because uh, we all. Oh, it's a good that, segue. That, it was it was a great segue from one one to the next, right? It, it worked. <laughs> yeah. So. So, so what's going on with you right now? I mean, as far as the Arf Shack, your rescue. You know, I got two dogs from the Arf Shack. I got Tuffy Tuffers, oh, yeah. the Tank Tuff Tuffington, and and Hugh. Hugh, from that's the right. Sight yeah. unseen. I, I said, I'll take them. Not Hugh. Well, actually, Hugh. Hugh, Hugh you at um, you guys Osceola right County Hugh, Animal right. Control. Yeah. My friend Vicky, who I also met through the Pitbull Kalima, she used to um, work at Osceola County Animal Control it's a, in um, just outside of Orlando. And um, she wanted to bring Lynn there to meet, um, you know, some of the girls and, like, see some of the dogs. And she, uh, uh, Hugh was – had there and he was shut down i mean shut down in the back and they wanted vicky knew he had potential and she really wanted lynn to see what lynn thought could be done like she didn't want to have to put him down or anything but he was shut down he wouldn't let any of the girls take him out that was the next step what yeah he wasn't eating get him out of the i mean he looked like Mm -hmm. roadkill you know Mm -hmm. frozen just stiff and just they vicky knew she just didn't want to do it but they couldn't do anything and he wasn't eating or whatever and I mean, Lynn um, went and sat down, like you know, and um, you know, I don't remember how long it took you. It wasn't super long, but you you were able to communicate with. It wasn't him super him long. It was okay. And uh, yeah, and um, you turned that dog around, and in the process, you fell in love with him. <laughs> it was like one of the <laughs> sweetest things to watch ever. Oh, well, I wasn't supposed to say that, was I? I wasn't supposed to say what Lynn was, but, but it was. It was sweet. And, um, that Lynn was sweet. It was. Speed. Yeah. And, uh, no, it, yeah, that it was, was uh, a sweet thing. Yeah. It was like, yeah, he was, I, just I was like, dude, I've been waiting for you. Where have you been? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so we pulled him, Todd, and, uh, you know, took him until we could arrange the flight, but, uh, you know, to anybody listening. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty incredible. And it was incredible to watch. And, uh, Vicky, I know Vicky and I talk about it all the time. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. But yeah, the, the, yeah so, at some so the point I was question, doing, the shock has been trying to get him. Oh. I don't remember the details. I just uh, remember, I, you know. Well, I was I was working him with a leash, and then I was like, you know, it, somebody was walking a dog to the yard or something, and and Hugh stuck his head up like that. I'm like, is that what you want? Do you like other dogs? And so I get out of the way, and then I start doing the leash. He's like, okay, I'll I'll go if I can follow. I had him bring the dog back by, and then he followed. That way, so I use the dog social social pressure. I use social pressure to get the dog up and moving. And at that point, you know, and it was it was really cool. I wouldn't even have thought about it until I saw Hugh say, "There's a dog," and boom. But at that point on, uh, Hugh was my little guy. But one last thing about Hugh, and then I, I, you keep going with what you were saying. Hugh was really small, and when I basically brought him to life, right? And when he died, he died in my arms, just like he came to life in my arms. It, uh, hmm. And I'm not crying right now, but it was very impactful. And that day I posted, I, I 
posted a video saying he did a roll. He liked to roll on his back and stick his belly up, and he hadn't done it in months. I caught him. I caught him on video. And I was like, "This is amazing!" And literally two hours later, uh, you know, he died in my arms. I giving him mouth to mouth. So I'm not upset about that at all. I saw him from beginning to end. I'm all right with that. But uh, yeah. yeah. So please, our shack. Well, our shack's a lot smaller. Working like it? Said, still doing it? I yep. I will always do it. Um, like I said, uh, I got a, a Vicky and I got a Yorkie. Um, and then we get another pup. So I kind of do like what I've been do- doing a little differently is people are looking for dogs and, you know, I'll like get to know the person and then I'll go find a dog and like kind of do it that way so that they're, you know, um, but uh, there's less. Do- yeah, there's less dogs in my home. It's not as much. When I came down here uh, 13 years ago, you know, I was kind of burnt out on rescue. I had to take a break financially and just, you know, and not burn out on the dogs. Everybody should be very clear who I was burnt on, out on and it wasn't the dogs. Um, so, um, yeah. And so, um, I just do it here and there. And then of course, when I moved down here, I had six dogs and a cat and I was running. <laughs> so like bringing in more rescue dogs into my house was kind of out of the question. Uh, now, and I tell everybody I'm down to three dogs. Um, I think um, uh, my boyfriend very wisely put a limit at three. And, um, so, yeah, so I'm just, I'm kind of doing it here and there, but I'll, I'll, always, I'll, I'll never stop. It's just part of who I am. You got and, your fingers um, in the rescue yeah. world all the time. You just not always knee deep into it. Yeah. Okay. And um, I donate a lot too. And I help try to help the situation out the, up in the Redlands, um, which that would be a whole nother topic we can talk about. It's an area outside, a, a sort of like agricultural area outside of Miami where people regularly dump dogs. And I mean regularly, I mean like someone's dumping dogs right now. So the, yeah, it would be a good thing to talk about and what the rescues are doing up, up there. Um, so yeah, but anyway. So are they running around down there like you see in some of these countries where like thirty dogs have come together because they've been dumped off so much? Like if yeah. let, let's say we did a uh, a field trip and did a, a podcast down there, would there be enough dogs yeah. to study yes. and interact with? Yeah. Oh wow! Absolutely. Uh, there's the Redlands like Dog good, Sanctuary. Good, that, good idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there, there are rescues down there. The Redlands Dog Sanctuary, they do a great job. They, they almost think that sometimes people are dumping dogs there because they know the rescue. You know, it's almost gotten worse because the rescues are there. But uh, nonetheless, you know why there's I a guy a, named... I never, I never put a sign on any of my facilities. Never put a sign on any of my facilities because yes, I knew people were going to just tie dogs up. I would never... If I were a rescue or sanctuary, I'd never put up a sign. You'd have to get a, it'd be like an old school rave where you get on a bus with the windows all cracked out and you don't know where you are. You don't know where you're going. You just go into a, we got to the building and, and here we are, rave. But uh, this might be a whole no, nother I, podcast right here. <laughs> this that is, conversation. I, I think it could be. I think that that should be a good, a good conversation for us to, I don't know, I'd love to go to Florida again. Go down there and check yeah, it out. Let's figure some. No, I meant Lynn's rave story. I was talking about the rave story. Yeah, yeah. Locked out bus. Oh. I was like, Whoa. oh, <laughs> oh, I got stories. <laughs> we Trust know me. this has been awesome. This has been this has been awesome. Um, Sue, I, I I really appreciate you coming on here and, and chatting with us again. You know, I, I really uh, when I when I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was like, yeah, I want to get you on there. Plus, and you've already kind of mentioned. You said, you know, all the guy jokes. I think it's good to get um, a female on here. I wanted to kind of bring you on here also for that reason. Um, but I want you to come back. I want to see more of you. Uh, where's Lynn going? 
I would, uh, tuxedo, I would love to come uh, back, uh, Art, and I'd love to come work with you, um, absolutely, and and uh, learn from you. Well, um, I would love to go to the Keys one. personally. Like uh, that's just me. Uh, I've been to the Keys. Uh, there's that John Pendekamp. It's like on that first mm-hmm. right there when you right when yep. you get to Keys. I uh, went out to John Pendekamp and I, I snorkeled down and I saw the the Christ of the Abyss, the statue that's under mm-hmm. underground. I got to go down there. It was really cool. I've, I've done that before. Yeah. Never been. Yeah. Never been. It's not an ugly place. But it, not at all. We should think about doing some sort of a, a out, uh, you know, out of the studio podcast and do an adventure. And it, two of them are in Florida. We might as well just head on down there if we can do something like see a bunch of uh, uh, homeless dogs that packed up. Or go to rescue. Yeah, the, or, the Redlands is about it's about uh, maybe two two and a half hours north of here. Psychology. Yeah, and Junior, uh, the guy who runs it, I think he knows Caesar. No, I'm not sure, but he says he does anyway. We know him. Cool. We know him too. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I do. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I took a picture with him at a workshop one time. It's all over my website now. Then being in the car with you way back during like going through the program and you were texting Caesar and I was like, holy shit, it's fucking texting Caesar right now. Oh man, I can't even fucking believe it. Pretty funny. <laughs> no, I get that. I, you know, I get that. A lot of people would, when are we going to go to Caesar's thing and take a picture? I had to do a whole thing in the very beginning, making sure people understood that's not part of this, but I understand the, the joy of, uh, of, of that, that you must've experienced. You know, and plus it, believe me, back then it was pretty cool just to, to get a text and a call from, oh, I'm sorry, it's Caesar. <laughs> you, know. Well, you know what you have until you signed autographs. I was at, did the Asia thing and talk about seeing it from a different point of view <laughs> by associate, yeah. you know, ah! it's a, he's a fangirl. Yeah, Sue, it's been awesome having you on. You're, it's a good, ma- a good mix and balance. And uh, we still, there's still plenty of stories to tell yeah yeah getting started yeah and you know you guys i've talked about it and i think this one's really important and mention is that we talk about it later i'm really would like for you to talk about your experience of what you went through in the courts regards to animal control because i reference it regularly for people to understand what their rights are through animal control it's different in different states but here in florida you know it's a it's a really misunderstood agency as far as what they can and can't do what your rights are what they're not and you i mean you went all the way you I mean you went to the supreme court right the florida supreme court look at you uh, yeah uh i didn't actually testify but it did go there but it wasn't because of the dogs just to be clear it was because um we went in under a, what's called a sunshine law violation and because they didn't give us records so you like, you know, okay. in most states, if you, you request public records, they have to, a public office has to produce said records, right? Well, we asked for um, the records and they didn't give it to us. So that's really how we got our, through that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how we took it. So if anybody cool. wants to Google my name, you'll find it. It's, yeah, all the shit I've done, that'll come to the top. Nice. Yeah. Well, you and know what I'm going to be doing after this call. Yep. If anybody's just yeah, listening well, and not watching this episode on YouTube, just watching and listening, just understand that Sue is wearing so much pink and sitting in a pink chair, pink headphones, and just pink. It's just pink. That's yeah. 
I know. I said I, I put this on on purpose because I'm like, I'm going into the bro fest with pink. Just what they need there. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> Take pink energy in. <laughs> Perfect. Much appreciated. Well, cool. uh -huh. Thank you guys so much. Uh, this has been great. And then I can't wait to have you on again, Sue. So thank you. Thanks again. Thanks, Art. Thanks right, for Lynn, having Todd. me. It's really fun. Yeah this, yeah. this is the Dog Psychology Podcast with Lynn, Todd, and Art and our guest, Sue. We'll see you next episode. Thanks, guys.